And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Miss Cavia Pemberton. Cavia, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing this morning? I am doing well, enjoying some great sunshine. So, yes. Oh, man, that's beautiful. That's totally different than what I'm experiencing this morning with this rain in, in Washington. So, how was oh. your, <laughs> how was your uh, previous week? It has been good. Um, I will talk about it more, but I work in emergency management. So there were a lot of pivots in my plans as to where I'd even be um, today or the next few days. So happy to say I'm in Atlanta. Um, thought I was going to be in Uganda. So that's, you know, quite different. But Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, let's go ahead and get this started. So um, for the people at home, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am originally from Rhode Island, a proud Rhode Islander coming from the smallest state. I've spent most of my time working and living up in the Northeast in either Rhode Island, Massachusetts, or Connecticut. I've recently relocated to Atlanta, Georgia. I've been here for a year now, and I work with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention as an emergency um, preparedness um, specialist as well as program manager for our team okay yeah no that sounds cool you know um what i wanted to talk with you today is a little bit around like that emergency preparedness but like really unpacking that full move of coming from like the northeast to the southeast i'm sure there's a lot of stories to unpack there so um <laughs> let's go ahead and get yeah, let's go ahead and get started. What inspired you to pursue emergency management and emergency preparedness? Sure. So while I was in undergrad, I went to Smith College. I um, I would say even entering college for undergrad, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I specifically chose a liberal arts college because it was like, all right, you have enough academic interests where during these four years, I'm going to figure it out. Um, I took economics during my first semester um, at Smith, and I was like, I could take another 10 courses in this. <laughs> um, so I signed up to be an econ major. Um, and at that time, I don't know if it's still like this, I'm sure it is, but um, Smith had a very strong push for econ majors to go into iBanking. I took a seminar while I was there for a weekend. Um, that really introduced you to what the work in finance looked like. And I was like, yeah, this is not for me. Love economics did not like um, the iBanking life. Um, and however, at this point, it was my last year of college. So I did undergrad in three years. So um, I had one year to kind of say, well, what do I really want to do once I leave this place? And at that time, a lot of courses started to be offered around the study of disasters and that impact. And I started to really take in um, that information. So um, examining Hurricane Katrina from a um, sociology perspective, looking at the GIS mapping behind the impacts of disaster. Um, I was doing a lot of um, academic work around it. And it was so interesting to me. Um, and when I asked about it, they said, oh yeah, people do this as a career. So leaving Smith, I decided to 
pursue um, at least an internship in emergency management when I left college. I will say also um, the one last course, literally my last course, well, for my undergrad career was a public health course, the first and only one I took during undergrad. And I was like, this also is very interesting, tucked it in the back of my mind and headed to do back home to Rhode Island to do an internship um, with our city emergency management office so providence emergency management agency oh. and that's where it got started okay that's cool so like <laughs> what does that kind of education pathway look like for someone that's in like emergency management so like did you like work your way up i know like obviously you got your master's in public health um mm -hmm. because we did that together but like um I guess, what does that building that career look like in emergency management? So I will say that emergency management is one of those fields where um, education is not, I guess, how do you say, a hindrance to um, your path forward. And I say that because people have come from a lot of different education backgrounds. So working in public health, you have to kind of have an MPH. But um, working in emergency management, I came from a public health and econ background. I've seen people who have had um, not the traditional education, but sometimes just came through the military and had that experience mm -hmm. that they brought into emergency management. Um, I've seen people that have actually, as emergency management became more popular, they've done more um, certificates and actual um, courses are being offered at universities and they've gone that route. But really, emergency management is a field that experience matters. Yeah. It very much trumps education because it's one thing to, um, you know, say that you've studied, this is how disasters go. And it's another same thing to said, say, well, I went out and I helped respond to Hurricane Florence and I've done that setup before. And that's really more value than the education. Um, so I would say experience and of course, having that fundamental understanding of how the systems work, but those are all um, free online courses that are offered that can really help you at least catch up to speed so that you're able to speak the same language as everyone else working in emergency management. Yeah. So, you know, part of my ignorance for it, like I understand the, I guess you could say the core, um, I have a core understanding of like how emergency management and emergency like preparedness works. Like when a disaster strikes, like how do you manage like um, providing water, shelter, resources for individuals? Like I understand, I guess you could say that portion of it, but like, mm -hmm. you know, as you mentioned, there are, um, uh, I guess multiple ways that an individual can enter it, whether it's from experience within the military, which makes a lot of sense, taking certificates, um, just really and truthfully, how do you get that experience and getting into emergency management? And so like, how does your public health degree help and support that um, to give you a more robust experience of how you approach emergency management? Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> um, so I think getting into it is probably one of the hardest parts um, because, as I said, experience is um, valued above most things. Um, but of course, if you can't get the experience, you can't continue to move up. I think for um, a lot of people that are just starting out, 
I would recommend kind of something I did, similar to what I did myself, which is that internship mm. um, the first year out of college. So I will say, of course, it was an easier time to do an internship than if you're older and switching fields or something, because it was, of course, an unpaid internship. Um, but I was able to really work, get that experience and then move on. But I would say working at the local level tends to be the... Um, easier way to really break into emergency management. Um, they always need assistance. Um, it's always, it's a little easier just to get into, and when I say local level, really not state level, but that city level, um, they're looking for that assistance. They're a little more um, generous in offering opportunities. Um, and then of course there are some more larger programs like you can find where maybe you can get um, a position or some type of work with the American Red Cross or AmeriCorps um, and get that experience there. But until you get that experience, you're really going to have a hard time moving up. For me, with my public health degree, when I came into emergency management and after that one course in undergrad, I really knew I loved public health. I really did develop a passion. I started doing more independent research just about public health in general and found out, oh, so there's a, even a specific um, niche inside emergency management for public health. Mm. Um, and that is public health preparedness. Um, so I would say with that, I knew, and even that is still very broad because there's um, between my last job at AmeriCares and my current job um, with the CDC, I was definitely working with AmeriCares, still in public health preparedness, but focused around helping health centers, um, safety nets health centers, um, prepare for natural disasters and how to continue um, their operations and serve their patient population during that time. Whereas at the Centers for Disease Control, now I'm doing a lot more, how do we re um, respond to disease outbreak? Mm. Um, so <laughs> it's still a very um, big field where you can move in a around a lot. I know that I work with people that work in surveillance, a lot of epidemiologists, um, data analysts at this level. But public health, I think my Thing, my um, The biggest benefit about going to get that degree um, was that it allowed me to meld the two worlds. So there was the experience of being in emergency management, but there was also the public health side that allowed me the analysis, um, the understanding of how these things work, and to, um, especially in some places when people don't have the MPH, it's a little um, easier to help meld the research into influencing our um, decisions as to how we're going to carry out a response or what we're going to focus on when it comes to preparedness. So making more um, data-informed decisions, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I guess uh, my next question to you is, like, why Atlanta? Like, is it because of the CDC in itself and being able to leverage those public health skills and that data-driven data decision um, driven work or was it more on a personal side like I'm curious as far as like um, why the the pivot towards the from the northeast to the southeast yeah um, I think when you've lived in snow for you know, many decades, <laughs> you think that everywhere that doesn't have snow is so much better. So that definitely drew, um, 
drove part of my decision, but um, the CDC was the other side. So I've always, um, in working in public health, I knew that CDC worked at the level that I wanted to do. So I, me personally, I like my focus to be on a very macro level. I want to focus on how we respond as a nation, mm. how we um, work with other ministries of health or helping other countries prepare. I didn't really um, want to work at the local level um, unless it was even, you know, as I did in my last position, working with multiple cities and um, states at the same time. Um, so, I knew that the CDC would allow me to work at this level. So when I got the opportunity, I was like, oh, great. This is the dream job. This is the dream organization um, agency, and I'm going to go. So I think for me, it was the goal all along. Um, we talked before about, um, you know, that tenure and that plan and that really detailed plan that you have for your life. And that was mine, that I'm going to end up at the CDC. I'm going to be working in emergency management. So I think... Um, the goal was always pushing me towards Atlanta um, to work at the CDC. So that was really um, what drove me here. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. So like, I'm curious, like, and I can hear your passion when you're talking about like emergency management and emergency preparedness. Like, can you talk about how being in, working at the CDC and being a program manager, what some of the work that you've been able to do to help not only at that local level, but also at that large macro level, which um, has been like the driver for what you wanted to do? Sure, I can. <laughs> um, I had to double check. I was like, <laughs> you know, with everything you say at the agency, it's like, oh man, did I get permission? <laughs> but um, yeah. no, I definitely say. Um, so I've been do able to do a lot of work around our ports of entry, um, and really, so I really work with our quarantine um, branch that does, um, I guess, protection of our ports of entry. So looking out for infectious diseases coming through um, the border, through travel via um, land, via air, via maritime. So, of course, as you can imagine, COVID was a very busy time for us, mm. but... A lot of my work right now um, has stemmed around um, helping those ports of entry create plans for what they're going to do, um, how they're going to respond should an incident present itself or should a public health concern present itself. I've also been able to do a lot of, and which is always my favorite part in why I love working at this level, a lot of traveling and getting to um, experience different things. So. Over the last year, I've only been with the CDC for a year. I've been able to go and um, assist with Operations Allies Welcome, which was the um, Afghanistan repatriation mission last year. Um, that was that was a very interesting experience, um, as well as assisting one of our ports of entry in Puerto Rico, um, giving a little more assistance that was needed during COVID-19 um, mm. as part of their response. Um, most recently, um, I was, <laughs> that's why you say, hear me mention Uganda earlier. I was going to help them um, and be um, serve as a technical advisor for some of the exercises they're doing there. Um, so that's some of the work that I do. Yeah. I think in emergency management, it always tends to switch up really quickly, you know, 
um, things can change in the blink of an eye as soon as something new presents itself. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. It, it sounds like you're um, in the past year, you've worked on three projects. That's that's pretty fast paced for um, in, you know, four months time frame, just say, for example, a new project's coming up and like each one of these things, which I thought was really interesting, like um, the the COVID-19 response, the Afghanistan um, aspect and within Uganda, like these are not things that I really you really hear a lot about on the media. And I would I can't say that I'm the most informed citizen when it comes to reading the newspaper, watching the news stories, reading things on the internet um, through like uh, verified media channels, if you will. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't really hear a lot about these things. So like, what, why is that? Is that just my personal, like I'm missing out or how is this, I guess you could say, marketed out to the masses? Hmm. Um, I would say some things tend to be bigger than others. Um, and also, so I definitely think like with, um, everything that was happening in Afghanistan, we definitely heard about it, um, yeah. nationally or internationally at that level. But of course, I think that things happen and we have so much access to so many things that are happening across the world that things change in a split second whereas um, public health emergencies go on for months and sometimes years yeah. so you might be hearing about it when it's i don't say hot news um but you know the first month maybe two months but you know they tend to cycle it out after a while whereas we're still responding um you know six months a year later um because that's just how long the response takes. And then of course, even our response doesn't mean that you're following the extent of the impact of these um, disasters on, pe on people. I think about like Hurricane Katrina and how people were still recovering even a decade later, mm -hmm. you know? So, but of course you're not gonna hear that in um, the media at this time because you know, it's that's considered old news or it's long gone or past that we don't re even reference it anymore. Yeah. Um, in terms of the current current events. Um, but I will say, just as clarification, the trip to Uganda was not an emergency. It was more on the preparedness side of emergency management. So I work in two um, areas. I work on helping people prepare for if something's going to happen and then helping people respond because something has already happened. So yeah. Uganda was going to be on the side of helping prepare. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, just listening to that response that you just gave, which was a beautiful response in itself, I think it says a lot about um, um, mission-driven work and like when people have a passion towards things. And like, I'm curious towards like how you, uh, I guess you could say how you had such clarity in yourself to pursue a role that filled your full self. And so like to, explain that a little bit or give some context like i heard three different things like you just said like um with your job you not only help with the preparedness of if something's going to happen but when something has already happened and then also i heard you talk a little bit of a snippet around how your job in itself allows you to travel which is something that fills your personal cup and so I, I'm curious about like, um, you know, the question that I asked before, 
because I think that that's a very um, intuitive realization from an introspective perspective because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're living the dream. Like, even you said so <laughs> yourself, like, your dream job was working in um, Atlanta or working in the CDC. Um, and so, like, I'm curious around uh, how does that exactly feel um, for you on a daily basis? And, like, um, how do you think about what's next when you've reached that point? That is a great question. <laughs> um, it really is. Um, when it comes to fueling things that fuel myself, I think I sit or a lot with my thoughts, even from an early age. Um, and I knew that, you know, if you're going to have me spending 40 hours plus <laughs> doing anything, I better love it. Um, because even just, you know, how the average person's day is set up, like we spend all this time at work by the time we get back, if you have a family or not, you have these few hours to spend and then you're going to sleep. And I was like, Oh, I, I need to love what I'm doing. Yeah. If I'm going to be there for that long and putting my life and energy into it. Um, so even from just, even before undergrad, I was, it was very hard for me to say what I do like. Um, And it was discouraging for me at first because I couldn't say, oh, you know, some people are like, I love doing this, I love doing this. But one thing I could always tell you is a long list of things I do not like. (laughs) I will not be doing this, I won't be doing that. So one thing I knew is like, I can't be a person that, I need change in my life. I need to be um, a lot of moving parts. But uh, so that was one thing that, you know, stood out to me, emergency management, that, you know, we could be working on this for two months and then all of a sudden there was a change. And I liked that. It kept things exciting. It kept things, it kept me on my toes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I also knew that whatever I did, I wanted it to have an impact on the lives of others. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't a person that wanted to deal with people one-on-one. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I want to affect change at the population level or at the system level. How can I do that? Mm. Um, so it was a lot of, I don't like this, but I can do this and I do like this. Um, even travel. Um, I love traveling both personally and um, for my work, but I also... Um, love culture and that was a big thing for me so even just being exposed um not just to other cultures but how other countries do emergency management how they view emergency management what are the um, issues that are um prioritized in the way they um they do emergency management was interesting to me as well as still there finding a balance because though i love travel i also love connecting with community and putting down roots so that was a big thing with me okay i'll travel for my job but you guys can't make it so much that i'm not able to have a life back at um, at home or you know make friends and build a community um so those are all things that were um important to me so i do really spend a lot of time sitting with myself and saying okay even if you don't know what you do like or what you want tell me what you don't want because we can build off of that as well um Go ahead. No, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm curious uh, uh, 
what your process is like for something like that because like even whenever i was just sitting here taking down my notes for this i was mm -hmm. like write what you like and you don't and then like an anxiety went through my body was like oh gotta sit down and write <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I guess that part goes into the planning part of me. So I'm very list oriented. I make a list of everything. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So this just falls into my natural. This is who um, I am. Like I will make a list of the pros and cons of having a birthday party. Do I really want to do this or do I want to just go out to eat and I'll be fine on my own? Um, but that part is just like really for me is um, it just helps my thoughts get out on paper. And for me, that's always been a way that just helps me um, clearly think about things as well as helps free up space in my mind. Um, elsewise, I feel like everything's just, you know, running around <laughs> inside my head. But one thing I did want to touch on because we talked about me um, being at my self-proclaimed dream job, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> just what that experience is like because i know especially at this young age i won't say how old i am but this young age i think that people are still working towards their dream job or their dream company or maybe they didn't identify that and i will say it is um i think it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> to be really honest i think it's great to have gotten here at this age but um and I say that because I still have time to pivot if I don't like it um, versus, you know, deciding I don't like it and I never got to this point to, you know, decades ago. I know that is a fortunate place to be in because it's not like we get to control when we um, the dream is realized or not. We just work towards it until, you know, it comes to fruition. Mm. But I will say, um, I think one thing I've learned in this time, because with every company, and I think that was probably the one place I went wrong. I made a company the dream instead of um, a purpose or the impact that I would have. Um, and I think with every company, there's pros and cons, you know. Um, the grass always seems greener until you get there. And then, and I think that holds true for the agency, of course. Um, there were things that I was able to do in nonprofit or in academia that I can't do in government. There's also things I'm able to do in government that I can't do in nonprofit or academia. Um, so at this point, as I look towards the future and where does my career take me next, I've really stopped thinking about companies and I've thought of started thinking about um, what is the impact I want to do? What do I want to be working towards? Like, what is driving me in my overall goals? Because even if it switches out from being specifically emergency management, am I still working to what um, drives me in general? Which I think really ties back to that. Am I having an impact on that, um, populations and bettering the lives of populations, even within public health. Um, and I can do that from many other places. Um, so I think right now I'm going with the flow. I think, again, we talked about this before, but um, I think I've also entered that place where I'm like, I don't think I can create that detailed 10, 20 year um, plan again. I'm gonna go with opportunities as they present themselves to me, but um, I know what I, in general, want it to look like. And I think that's what having that, I guess you would call it mission statement for my life is going to <laughs> really look like. 
man i love this i love this so much so i i have a, a curious question for you so mm-hmm. um i heard you speak a lot about you know just to kind of reiterate and just make sure that i'm hearing correctly about um you know finding your passion and like how we go about um how you chose to find your passion within emergency preparedness by realizing okay if i'm going to be doing this my entire life i have to love it um it has to have an impact because you know if i'm going to be doing something it has to fit towards my overall purpose and like i love when you said um work towards the dream till it comes to fruition um i think that that's such a profound statement because at the end of the day you know as individuals we're always ever changing and so for us to have one dream you know we can have one dream as far as just like for certain type of specific subjects but in (laughs) overarchingly that dream can morph right like we can sit here and we could say oh i want to have a family but that might be a vague topic like what does that family look like where is that family going to be located all of these different aspects to it and you're always striving towards understanding and getting that more clarity and carving out this like vision towards you and um especially whenever you're saying like when a job has to be able to feel a a purpose um it has to have that impact and drive and i guess what's interesting to me is how you take that not only for your professional self, but also your personal self as well, and how you do that balance. And I'm curious to know, how do you weigh one or the other in your decision-making process? Because like you said beforehand, like, you know, you came to the CDC, it sound like for two reasons. One, you got tired of the snow. And, which is a personal thing, right? Like, <laughs> professionally, it doesn't matter if it snows or not. And then um, because you wanted to have that macro level influence, which you've been able to do. And so, like, I'm curious in your decision making process now that you've, you know, been doing this for like a year and different things of that nature. Like, how are you? weighing those decisions on a daily basis do you say hey i focus on building my community here first and like making sure that i'm okay there or do you focus on i'm diving deep into my work or is it a balance between the two i'm really curious around how you approach that um because it it seems like you're so aware in yourself that um you you consider those things as well Yeah. Um, I think that it has to be a balance between the two and it's not a 50 50 balance. I think it just has to be what is the priority, um, right now and what really, what really is the bigger goal in this, in this moment. And so it would be great to be able to compartmentalize things and be like, all right, we're going to dive really deep in career and that's not going to affect over here or we can keep them separate, but they always, feed off of each other. So I'll give an example. Um, One of my goals has always been to work abroad. Um, With that, however, 
one of my goals is also, uh, or one of my desires I'll say is also to settle down and meet someone and get married. Um, the two do conflict. <laughs> so for me, I oftentimes have to, um, like even going to Uganda, um, that was a, I think it was only a two month thing, but it's like, okay, um, maybe it's worth sacrificing two months now because you can see if this is what you really like. I know that would take away time from especially the summer. And this is, you know, a summer where people are more out um, and about than they have been other years during the pandemic. Um, so it's a great time to meet people, great time to continue to build a community. But I know this is a strong desire in my um for me to go abroad and two months is a great opportunity to do it versus, you know, um, thinking about long term and I'm meeting people and, oh, this person seems great, but they don't want to move abroad um, or they have no desire to live abroad. Is it that strong of a desire in me that I now am measuring it in partners? So I think it's always balancing in the moment um, is how important is this? And is it outweigh my um, outweigh my desire to do the other thing? And I think one way, maybe this isn't, I don't know, this is an interesting way to look at it is sometimes I just go and ask myself at the end of the, if at your end of your life, if you had to look back and you said you didn't do this, would you be okay with that? And I know that's, you know, hopefully that's decades and decades away, but I really, it really has helped me to say, you know, if I never, if I never did, um, I can't think of something, but um, <laughs> if I never did um, this, if I never was the president of the United States um, <laughs> at my death, I think I'd be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if someone told me you never lived outside of the country, even for a few months, I'm that part doesn't sit as well with me. You know, I'm not saying I need to live there for 10 years, but even a few months having that experience would make me happy. And so I think I start to even weigh that out and then start to see where can I fit it in? And am I, I guess I do a cost benefit analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, and I think it's interesting. Like you said, you, you're a list person. So another way of doing this is another list right yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i love it though i really love really and sitting down thinking about like if i never did this how would i feel and you know i think that for us there are a lot of things and you know even like those small things around like living outside the country i think like you know we grow up dreaming big right but for some strange reason like um like those dreams become smaller and smaller smaller based upon our experiences and then we have to start back dreaming big again and like i it's interesting because i was actually having a conversation with one of my um team members and like we were talking about careers and mm -hmm. like um they were sp speaking about how they wanted to advance in their careers. And I was just like, well, have you spoken to like someone that's in that role that you're interested in? And he was like, oh, I didn't know that I could do that. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, I thought that, you know, managers just spoke to managers on their level. And I was just like, no, I mean, like, that's just another person. You can reach out to them and things like that. <laughs> you know, obviously you express your intent. You can't just be like, you know, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but like yeah you can reach out anytime and so you know to never dream of being able to do something like that is fat is like it blows my mind but like as you were saying you know you have to dream big like you know be realistic of that dream too right like if you say i want to live outside the country but you also say i literally met someone who is very idealistic for me but they just you know don't want to live outside the country is that living outside the country so important that you're like oh i have to do it for 10 years or yeah i can do it for a couple of months and like you know just taking those um being willing to negotiate you know what i'm saying with yourself and i think that that's okay it's okay to negotiate with yourself and like you know um not necessarily not live the dream because it's like we all have these things where like i think about um and this could be sound so trivial but i also think about like a situation that happened when i was at home so i got my driver's license right and um uh well renewed my driver's license i've been had it and they took off my motorcycle endorsement and like Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, man, I don't have it on there anymore. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, is that really important? Like, I had that phase in my life. I got to ride it. I realized I'm not like a motorcycle for lifer. So, like, if it's not on there anymore, is that really that big of a deal? And, like, just moving forward with my life with that, not, like, going back to the DMV, waiting, like, 10 hours because I I don't know (laughs) what happened. Like... The DMV was once a place where I could get through there in like 30 minutes, but then COVID happened and it, it like reverted. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I was literally there and I was just like, why am I in person meeting with a person? There were machines here (laughs) that gave me my driver's license. Like, why is that not a thing anymore? (laughs) Those days are gone, man. But yeah, though, so I think that that's yeah. really cool that um, you approach it like that. And so, like, yeah. you know, man, I just I really want to say that I appreciate you just taking out the time to um, speak with me today. This has been a oh. a really great time talking to you, my friend. Yeah. And Melvin, we've spent I, sorry, <laughs> we've spent a lot of time um, talking about dreams, but there are just a uh, there's. I think that's so important, and especially some of the things she touched on, like how we're so fearful to dream big. And I understand that because it was easier when we were younger. We didn't have any um, any real consequences <laughs> attached to that. Like you could mess up tomorrow and still um, bounce back. And mm-hmm. I think I've even found it in myself. Like I want to move to a different career, and I'm like. Ugh. Well, that now is like, is it going to, you know, is it going to pay the bills behind it? Something's going to go well. Like, there are real, like, um, consequences to our decisions. So I definitely understand um, people, how it's hard to dream um, and dream big um, at this age, especially and as you get older, um, even to even pivot to something new because, um you know, it feels like starting over sometimes. 
But um, I did want to say, especially being a person that has been like, oh, I got to the dream company. It also came with a morning of the dream because of course like i said you know it came with its pros and cons and i yeah the, you know the cons are there and they're strong <laughs> so, um, i definitely had to think you know this wasn't what i imagined it would be and i couldn't figure out for the longest time why it was so disheartening for me that it wasn't lived i was like yeah you've been in you know similar or worse situations at, at other jobs why are you so sad about this one and it took me a while to realize it was a dream for me and it i don't know i guess i would say i don't know where to go from here um not to say there aren't options but this was the dream but taking a moment to really once i realized that mourn that like you know it's okay this was your passion this was what you were working for for years and years and years um i feel like after that i was able to switch my mindset and start saying well you know what i get and i know people say that start thinking about what you get to do instead of you have to do it's like i get to create a new dream and it doesn't it can be anything i want it to be i get to um you know, I get to think about this again. I get to say, hey, I want to do this in public health. Or I can even say, I want to switch completely and go over here. I get to dream again. And I think that's even a great stance to take because, you know, it is another opportunity. It's another opportunity to see my life go in a direction I didn't even imagine it would. And that could be just as great and fulfilling or even more. And maybe I get to do it again at some point. But wow what a blessing to have the opportunity to see maybe two dreams come true in my lifetime and that really helped switch my um perspective to start dreaming again and start to dream big because i don't believe i'm average and so i don't believe i'm destined for average things so i, I do believe, and that helps me again dream big because i'm like you know i can do it i'm fully capable i'm gonna dream big and worse come to worse we don't hit the goal we're gonna get as close as possible to it um one thing i'll also say about me is i'm and i think that people tend to be an or um an or person in life so you can do this or you can do this and i'm a very and person <laughs> instead i'm like so i'm gonna do this and I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I think like even going back to our um, the example from earlier, there was no point where I said, I'm going to go abroad or I'm going to really um, buckle down and really focus on the romantic aspect of my life. I said, so we're going to do both. Um, what are you willing to sacrifice and how are you willing to, you know, um, make it work so both can happen? And that's yeah. where we get the, you know, two months and spend a little more time in Atlanta or you can go for years and maybe you're giving up the other side. But I feel like sometimes we um, leave behind the and and put in the or instead because we're, I don't know, we're not as flexible. It has to happen in a certain way. And it's like these things can happen, but are you, what are you willing to give up to make it an and situation? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. You know, like you said, like you never stop dreaming big, but like, there's this whole resiliency that has to come with that and like resiliency in the sense of building it like we usually look at um or not usually but like in recent times we've looked at resiliency as being kind of a negative term because it's like we've had to endure so much you know what i'm saying but mm -hmm. like i think 
you know, it's that whole saying of like pressure makes diamonds and fire makes gold. Like my dad literally was having this conversation with me when I was at home saying that you have to have um, add fire for the meat to cook. And so it's just like building that resiliency is just you get to that what you think is that breaking point and you have to be resilient for the good and the bad but like always remember that like you know you can dream like you were saying like you can dream again like it's not just because you get to a point you have it and you know it's all a blessing because the fact that it happened in the first place right it adds to your narrative it adds to who you are as an individual and like the more that you can build upon that and you keep on pushing through, it's just like, you kind of surpass that what you said, like you're not an average person, so you're not gonna do average things because like of the more you're pushing yourself and you're being resilient through it and like getting to that next level and becoming that and person and taking that time to figure out how do you make that and happen? And that's the work that comes through being resilient to get to that point now this makes so much sense to me i love it i i think that um uh this is some really great stuff like i <laughs> <laughs> i really appreciate you no problem <laughs> so you know i i do have um some lightning questions that i do on every show so like <laughs> I'm going to run through these and then let you get to the rest of your day. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. So what's your favorite relaxation or self-care activity? Um, I would probably say I really like skincare. <laughs> so I'll always really, for some reason, it just makes me feel better. I will say I know it's... Um, I have really good skin genetically, so it really just is for the feeling that it gives me, but I enjoy skincare. Um, it just makes me feel like I'm taking care of myself, so yes. No, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, best book recommendation? Um, I know that people would usually give like one of those self-improvement books, but I'm actually going to give a fiction book. <laughs> Um, I just feel like I know that people but every time I read fiction I definitely feel like it helps in staying on our topic it helps me dream again um, you know so um, I like Homegoing yeah. I forget who it's by but it is such a good book I will probably read it again at some point but it was one of those books you can't go um, you can't really put down and it was um, a story um, intergenerational story woven together it really shows for me I guess um, how the impacts of our decisions our lives really impact not just the next generations but your your generations to come your bloodline so it was so cool very good <laughs> yeah no that makes sense mm -hmm. um one person you want to thank uh, for your journey thus far? Of course, I'm going to thank my parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I always say, and people laugh at me when I say this, but it's if you really think about this, this is 100% true of my parents. I always feel that the encouragement my parents gave me in saying like I could do anything that I wanted to do or be anything that I wanted to be was so beyond... Um, just 
like lip service. Like I really feel like the level that they instilled that in me and really made me feel that that was possible was I made, I tell people it this way. I feel like I consciously made the decision not to be um, the president of the United States at any point in my life. And they laugh, but I'm like, that's, but that's how much confidence and how much um, my parents really instilled in us that if you want it, you can have it. Like the be, if I were to tell them when I was younger, I wanted to be president. That's not something they would laugh about. That's not something they would um, discourage or say was a little high. That would be like, okay, so what are you going to do to get there? And I really think that that also has really pushed me in my career to, in, in life to say, all right, so what are you going to do to get there? You can have it. What do you want to do to get there? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Just, uh, you dropped so many gems. Um, this is going to be some really beautiful. I look forward to like just going back and listening to this conversation. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Great. You too. Thanks. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.